This morning, I'm going to ask us to take a soul pulse. A soul pulse. This is not a psychology class. It is, you know, not meant to be that somehow I'm a doctor. I'm not in that respect, but discovering healthy living for the soul. The soul. Working out in it what has already been worked in when you became born again. The seed that needs to work itself into a tree until the parameters fill the entire system. So when we come out of, so the sin no longer has a control in our life, but we are fully walking in the power and the spirit of the Lord. Our scripture verses this morning. Twenty-three, not uh, two and three. It's okay, Andy. Let me read it to you. Now may the God of peace. I wrote it by hand, and in he cannot be faulted for not getting it. <laughs> the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice the three dimensions. Third John 2, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Hebrews chapter 4 in verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit, and of the joints and the marrow, and the discerner of the thoughts, the intents of the heart. And so there is a distinction even between the spirit and, and the soul. It's interesting to notice that in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus said the spirit of the Lord was upon him, C.W. and Diana, God bless you, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. And he begins to categorize the arenas that the gospel is meant to touch and transform and to change. And it has a lot to do with your soul. With your soul. The brokenhearted, the oppressed, the prisoner. Well, if you're locked up in jail, Jesus didn't come to just get you out of a natural prison. But there are prisons in which our soul gets in. The state of your soul affects the rest of your living. The soul, of course, you know, consists of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Anybody have those? The capacity and the ability mentally of living and reason and character and feeling and consciousness and memory and perceptions and thinking. It is there the principle of life, feeling, thought, and actions are taking place and you don't just have a soul you are a soul you are a soul 
First Peter chapter 2 says that Jesus Christ is the shepherd of our souls. And Peter references how that they had returned to the shepherd of their soul. So obviously, it's possible to get away from the shepherd of your soul. In this body, soul, and spirit realm, just so you understand with the emphasis on the soul, the body is that world consciousness that communicates with the outside world. It's your senses. Sight, your smell, your hearing, your taste, your touch. And then you have the soul, which is your self-consciousness, the medium in between that world. The two worlds, fact is. I like to refer to it as it's the processor. It's the distribution center. The mind is to think, the heart is to feel, and the will is to decide. The gates of the soul is imagination, conscience, memory, reason, and affections. The soul is the sphere where Satan operates. The spirit is the sphere where God operates because God is the spirit. And he makes an appeal to our affections and to our emotions. First Peter chapter 2 says that there's elements of the flesh that are dangerous for the soul. It says abstain from the fleshly lust that war against the soul make it unhealthy and diseased. The faculties of the spirit, of course, and the spirit is that God consciousness, that place that knows God's voice, fellowships with God. And so when there is a dead spirit, it simply means that there is no connection or fellowship with God. But yet in that faculty of the Spirit is faith and hope and reverence and prayer and worship. Of course, we have a human spirit, and of course, there is a regenerated spirit also. The soul is that meeting point of spirit and body. It can be a master, or it can be yielded to the Spirit of the Lord. Mm. If the soul is broken, and David talks about it in his writings... He restores my soul. Where the soul feels inspired and clear and courageous and confident and able to trust. There were times in David's life when his affections and his desires turned from the Lord. And as a result, he recognized that he needed his soul restored. The soul is a sign of God, a heavenly gem, whose reality is the most learned, whose reality the most learned have failed to grasp, to whose mystery no mind can hope to unravel. I will not try to do that. And yet the soul is the first to declare the excellence of its creator. To recognize his glory, to cleave to his truth, and to bow down in adoration before him. If it is faithful to God, it will reflect his light, his will, and 
eventual return to him who made it. If it fails, however, in its allegiance to its creator, it will become a victim. It will become a victim to self, to passion and will. And in the end, it will sink into the despair thereof. The soul. I would that thou would prosper and be in health in your in your soul. If the soul is broken or malfunctioning, then our will and our values and our behavior and our desires and our secret thoughts, there's a constant war with each other. When he says to lose one's soul, he's telling us that it's a soul that is without right relationship with Christ, with God. To lose our soul means I am no longer have a healthy center that organizes and guides my life. Don't want to make it too complicated, but that's the processor, your soul. A dying soul is not just about destiny. It's about condition. It's about condition. In a healthy soul, the parts are working together. They're in harmony and peacefully connected. Connected to God and your whole person. It's that element of an outer life and an inner life. It integrates that. Your spirit life and your life that you see your body do. It is the, it is the single person or the self and who you are. David said in Psalms 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, in all that is within me. All. It says in Matthew 11 and 28, it says, Come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take your, my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. It's not just your body. Your soul needs some rest. There is some states of the soul. It can be a spiritual wilderness. It's where there's no refreshing water. Your soul is dry. Water is scarce. It's where you're traveling and you're walking alone and in the heat and the cold that life seems to be controlling the temperature of and you feel like you don't have any shade or any protection. Spiritual wilderness is when God feels away and distant and absent and unresponsive. State of the soul. It's a point in a time when faith feels Uncertain and doubtful. Feels alone, vulnerable, lost, and unprotected. Faith. It's possible to have full garages and empty souls. And it's possible to have empty garages and full souls. Absolutely. 
The Bible references healthy and unhealthy souls. Soul sickness it references and talks about. When it's stripped of its meaning and expression, when things are not functioning properly and feelings of hopelessness and helplessness and struggling with connecting with life. Talks about a soul in drought to be famished. In other words, just not enough water to sustain the root system. Needs attention, maintenance, care, and space to breathe, and yet it's choked out. Possible things that can choke and cause drought in the soul is a fast lane living. Never stopping to rest. Taking no time to attend. What's happening to my soul? Why do I feel this way? Has the processor somehow, you know, been contaminated? Has a virus hit and contaminated my soul? And so now it's no longer coming up. With healthy reasons, healthy decisions, a soul in drought can be a soul that lacks energy to do spiritual things, and then it gets cravings for other things, distractions, and even sometimes want to escape. That's your soul. That's your soul. When your spirit man is born again, it's complete, it's finished. But your soul isn't. God has put something in. And that's what it means when it says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's talking about what God has put in needs to be worked out into your soul. Which is then is going to be transferred and, you know, evident through your body. So many times in life's battle, we are like soldiers returning from the battlefield. This is not to just find our soul condition, but to heal our soul's condition. The injuries... The memories in the enemies, we bring them back into relationships. And as a result, it sabotages our lives. We walk around wounded with battle scars, broken hearts, snake-bitten minds, poisoned. But they're not badges of honor. Because all somebody has to do is push the right button in a cascade of emotions and conflicts and behaviors are all of a sudden injected into our relationship, into our homes and into our work. The enemy of your soul, he wants you to dwell on these wounds and he wants you to relive and recycle driving you to some other kind of medicine rather than come unto me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. 
And the longer we live without healing, the longer the enemy can strangle our future, our hopes and dreams, and destroy our ability to realize that God's abundant life is present. How the past is affecting us. And then what happens? Our response oftentimes is we polish up the persona. We surround ourselves with superficial friends. We ignore the hurt and pretend that there's nothing wrong. We mask the deep need for healing. We put band-aids on the arteries from which we bleed. But it's going to break open again. It's going to break open again. And eventually the blood loss is so great that the soldier collapses. And somebody has to carry him to the operating room. And God's always standing readily by to oblige to carry. Jesus' mission is to heal because he's the great doctor. To make the blind see and the lame to walk. Jesus went to the woman at the well and he went there to heal the deep wounds that had messed up her life. As he stops for a drink of the water, he meets with her and he talks with her and, you know, begins to get her to come clean of the entanglements that's still holding her prisoner. And through that process of that gentle confrontation and taking a, which she probably didn't recognize was the revelation of her soul. Oh yes, what she had done in the body had a strong effect on her soul. It did. But once he got through untangling her life, it started a city revival. That's what healthy souls, souls that have been free from the anoint, by the anointing, souls that have been let out of prison, revival, revival begins. Ha. Huh. There is a fainting soul. <coughs> Jonah said, My soul fainted within me. That means to be cast down, to sink or depressed, to be weakened or despair, to, to be in great commotion and turmoil. A fainting soul. There's a disappointed, or what is known as a bitter soul. Hannah was a woman with a bitter soul. Disappointment had progressed so that her soul was bitter. But the good good news about Hannah was she pressed through. And she prayed to the Lord and he came through for her. Jesus had a sorrowful soul. He said, my soul is exceedingly 
sorrow, grieved, intensely sad, overcome. Challenges. Challenges. The key for the victory for Jesus was looking ahead. It says, who for the joy was set before him, endured it. He made it through it. He believed and saw a positive outcome. But we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. There's not only a sorrowful soul, but there's a soul in trouble. Psalms 143 says, bring my soul out of trouble. Soul in trouble is when it's feeble. Unbelief is real strong in it. Can't grasp the promises. It can't appropriate them. It can't draw comfort or rest from them. It's when there's a struggle. Things that begin to happen in the natural world. Disappointments. When dreams don't seem to provide any kind of inspiration. They're dead to hope. And then there's the deadness of soul. Deadness of soul is when you're surrounded by spiritual food in life, but you have no appetite to enjoy it. Loaded with privileges, yet feel neither life nor comfort in them. Dead and dull over the Bible and spiritual things. Hebrews 6 and 12 says we shouldn't become sluggish. And when these things happen in our life, can happen, and obviously there's sliding degrees, but how people handle it is that soul issue begins to take its place and, you know, have the control in our lives. We're like Adam and Eve. We try and hide from God. We blame our actions on someone else. We deny our guilt and attempt to destroy the evidence. Remember, God said to Cain, where's your brother? He tried to destroy the evidence. The soul. Not only does the soul do that, but it'll try and punish itself. A soul that needs a touch and needs healing. Acts chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. The story is the story, of course, of Judas. Punish myself then. I'm guilty. But God took all of our guilt so we don't have to punish ourselves. We're trying to get souls healed. There are times I talk to God and I say, God, you know what? My soul's not good. I've taken a pulse and I recognize, Lord, how I'm feeling, the way I'm thinking, the plans that I'm even anticipating. They need, you know what I mean, to find a source of rest and healing and care.
It was Saul who rationalized and made excuses. It's really tough to have clean living in a contaminated world and to avoid the toxicity that's, that's out there. It really is. To liberate yourself and detox your soul. Yeah. Check yourself in. Some keys is how to live beyond loss and disappointment. Delay and regret is identify the lies. Identify and correct the feelings because that's your soul. Take a break from fear. And then take the medicine of God's word. Take the medicine of God's word. Don't make the mistake of substituting belief in healing for the actual taking of the medicine, God's word. Medicine cabinet. (laughs) I believe in healing. Well, here's a Z pack. (laughs) Yeah, here's a Z pack. Anybody know what a Z pack is? Okay, good. All right. Well, that's what this is. It is a Z-pack for a soul. The conditions of it how, it, how it is, how it's feeling, the troubled, the bitter, the disappointed, the downcast. Let me read a story to you this morning. And if you've been around and you may have heard it, but hopefully it'll be a blessing and really tells the story of how we're the keepers of our soul. There once was a town high in the Alps that straddled the banks of a beautiful stream. The stream was fed by springs that were old as the earth and deep as the sea. The water was clear like crystal and Children laughed and played beside it, and the swans and the geese swam on it. And you could see the rocks of the sand and the rainbow trout that swam at the bottom of the stream. High in the hills, far beyond any one sight, lived an old man who served as the keeper of the springs, and he had been hired so long ago that now no one could remember a time when he wasn't there. He would travel from one spring to another in the hills, removing branches or fallen leaves that might pollute the water. But his work was unseen. One year, the town council decided they had better, they had better things to do with their money. No one supervised the old man anyway. They had roads to repair, taxes to collect, and services to offer, and given money to the unseen. Stream cleaner had become a luxury that no one thought they could any longer afford. So the old man left his post. High in the mountains, the springs went unattended. Twigs and branches and worse muddied the liquid flow. Mud and silt compacted the creek bed. Farm waste turned into parts of the stream into stagnant bogs. For a time, no one in the village noticed, but after a while, the water was not the same. It began to look blackish. The swans flew away to live elsewhere. The water no longer had a crisp scent that drew the children to play by it. And some people in town began to grow ill. All noticed the loss of the sparkling beauty that used to flow between the banks of the streams that fed the town. 
The life of the village depended on the stream, and the life of the stream depended on the keeper. The city council reconvened. The money was found, and the old man rehired. After yet another time, the springs were clean, the stream was pure, the children played again on its bank, illnesses were replaced by health, the swans came home, and the village came back to life. The life of the village depended on the health of the stream. The stream is your soul, and you are the keeper. The keeper of your soul. Let me share with you some things that contaminate the stream. Self-doubt. It destroys hope, imagination, and dreams. It has feelings of inadequacy. Oh, yes. Stress. I don't know where you can get away from it, but... You can control how you deal with it. You've got to look beyond the moment. You've got to... Feed that calm spirit again. Fear and insecurity. Fear and insecurity. Got to focus on the things that build confidence. And another thing that contaminates the stream is anger and hatred. It's toxic. We know from science all the things that it does to just the body, let alone the soul. How do you produce a healthy soul? Well, I wouldn't have all the answers, but let me give you a few this morning, and then I will take you to the scriptures and show you what will produce a healthy soul also. Because you need to feed your soul. You need to nourish it. Number one, gratitude. Gratitude. Thankful appreciation for the good things. What you have received and what you will receive. It is a mind that's constantly fixed on the best. Think on these things. If anything is pure, if thing is right, everything is holy. No, think on those. To produce a healthy soul. See, faith is born of gratitude. A grateful mind is constantly expecting good things, and faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's about, you know, yes. You nourish your soul with gratitude. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Appreciation, and at first it sounds like they're the same, but appreciation is really to, to go ahead and recognize the quality and the value and the significance of all things, no matter how seemingly small they are. It doesn't have to be big. Recognizing the full value of the moment. Those things that sometimes are automatic in our life. Like breathing. Like breathing. 
your soul needs to be able to breathe. And when you take this appreciation, it's like, it's like taking that oxygen mask and placing it upon you. You know what I mean? You're soul deprived. You're soul deprived of oxygen. Nourish yourself with appreciation. It does wonders. Of course, we know about love. Need to nourish it by finding the things that you can love about every day. Things that you can love about every day. And once in a while, you need to break into some laughter. Absolutely. Once in a while, it's okay just to get a little bit silly. Laughter's good. Laugh at your problem rather than distress about your problem. I know you're you're insane, but that's okay. It's good for your soul. Then you need to add joy. Find something worth celebrating about in everything that you do. Nourish yourself by finding something joyful in your day. Soul. There are, just as there are healthy and unhealthy foods for your body, they are, there are healthy and unhealthy foods for your soul. See, with many, it's not that their spirit is sick. It's their soul is sick. The soul is sick. To bring healing, and we'll ask the musicians to come. How to care for your soul. One, you have to convert your soul. That's right. You got to convert your soul. That process of change. The law of the Lord is perfect. What? Converting the soul. Convincing your mind, your will, and your emotions. You need to love your soul. And I know that's a tough one in today's society because they just want you to love yourself. But you need to see value. You need to see importance. You need to see, you know what I mean? You know, just as if your body is not doing well and your soul is not doing well, we got some hiccups in the whole thing of life. Convert the soul. Love the soul. Guard the soul. Bible says that there are snares out there. But it says if you will guard your soul, you'll be far from them. I started to give you a little bit of testimony, but it was really about recognizing the condition of my soul. 
In Isaiah chapter 29, it talks about a soul that's empty. A soul that is faint. We go to Psalms chapter 1. The cure for the unhealthy soul. And when you get the cure for the unhealthy soul, you are going to be start living healthy. Because your mind, your will, and your emotions. Are going to be in relationship with the one who created the soul. For man made the body and then he breathed into man and he became a living soul. The soul that sinneth shall surely die. What dies? Well, for one, the disconnect of the relation of the creator of the soul and the mind, the will, and the emotions no longer are in tune to be able to receive clearly the things of the Spirit of God. For the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. And so that's correcting of our our soul. So the great psalmist gives us some answers. He said, key for healthy souls is to be separated from the world. Now sometimes that's too strong. But blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sitteth in the seed of the scornful. What is he saying? Your ties. Your connections. The input into your life can really determine the health of your soul. Separated from the world. And then he goes on to say that you need to be saturated with the word. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Yeah. Somebody says, well, pastor, you know, life is too busy. David was running a kingdom. (laughs) David was running a kingdom. And it was only when his soul became unhealthy that he began to make poor decisions. Yeah. And so he says... If we'll keep ourselves separated from the world. Now that's the challenge to not get contaminated by the toxins of the world. So we're separated from the world. We're saturated in the word. And we are situated by the water. He shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. Who will not cease to yield his fruit. It doesn't make any difference. You know what I mean? What the external seasons are as long as the season in the soul. There will be no downtime. Somebody give the Lord a praise this morning. Hallelujah. 
His leaf does not wither, and whatever he does prospers. The soul has so much to do in the health of it, because then as a result of that, he says, you secure your success. Brings forth fruit in its season. It brings forth fruit in its season, success. And then the result is he is stable and fulfilled. And the key to it is the centrality of God's word. Stand with me this morning. The soul. It's like a stream, it's like a spring. And I went back as I started taking some soul pulses during my life and do it on a regular basis. And, and I don't do it because I'm so smart, you know what I mean? Or even that I think of it, the Holy Spirit just comes along and says, you know what? Hey, <laughs> look at how you're thinking. Take a temperature of how you're feeling. How? Huh? Look at how little joy you got. And how, how this person bugs you and that person bugs you and this bugs you and that bugs you. And I mean, you're just bugged. <laughs> Somewhere I got a virus. When everything's turning up negative, I can't see the good the sun shining David recognized that his soul was a vital part of living life I wonder this morning, is it your spirit or is it your soul? God says, I'm so interested in your soul that I want it, you know what I mean, preserved. <laughs> I don't want it to have problems. I don't want it to be out of character. I don't want it to be low. I want it to be encouraged. I want it to be filled with expectation. I want it to be filled with health. I want how your soul sees, you know, to not be downcast and low. Now, will you go through valleys? Absolutely. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Because my soul is healthy, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. Woo. Our valleys get too much attention. The God that is with us needs to get more attention than the valley. Somebody give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. He works all things together for good. Your soul. David said, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Come on, soul. He's saying, come on, soul. Let's get up. And at the invitation of Jesus is to heal your mind, your body, and your soul. Oh, yes, the Bible says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or your seed begging for bread. You should not mistake God giving you help from other sources as though you are begging for bread. God has crows 
wolves that can feed people. He has ravens that can come and bring a supply to people. He may use the outside. He may use somebody else. But it is still the hand of God. Hallelujah. That is supply of the need in your hour and in my hour. God has not left you. God has not forsaken you. He has not not met your need. He has met your need at every turn. Hallelujah. Because he is the El Shaddai. Amen. He is the Almighty. Praise the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Here's what God told me. He said, you need to stop saying why. Why? Why this? Why that? In Isaiah 54, God said to the people, you know, you keep saying, why? Why have you afflicted our souls? Why don't you take notice? Why don't you do this? He says, stop saying why. And start saying, the Lord will provide. Amen. Amen. When Abraham, when Abraham was on the mountain and there he stood with his son and he was ready and willing to do whatever God wanted him to do to take his life. But when asked the question, you know, what's going to happen? Where's the sacrifice going to come from? He said, God will provide. Amen. God will provide. Hallelujah. You might be at the brink right now of everything upon the altar. The fires may be lit and it seems like, you know what I mean, the inevitable is going to take place. But I guarantee you this morning that not one hair of your head shall perish. Hallelujah. Not one thing shall be lost because God will provide. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Sing the verses again. Church, this is not just about recognizing our soul condition. It's about healing our soul's condition. Because the Spirit of the Lord has anointed us to heal the soul's conditions. The poor, the prisoned, the heartache, the wounded, all of them. Glory to God. Don't let the enemy make you keep visiting. Visiting yesterday's crimes. Would you please visit Calvary? Hallelujah. Which is God's victory for his children. And the guarantee. Hallelujah. That he who did not keep his own son but gave him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Amen. Give a Lord a praise. Are there times when the master has to step in and calm the waters? Absolutely. Absolutely. Don't be afraid to get desperate enough, you know, to, in a sense, wake him up, even though he doesn't sleep and he doesn't slumber and he knows what's gone going on, you know what I mean? But he wants you, you know, to be really, you know, intent on getting him into the mess. Yeah. Amen. He does. Glory to God. And go ahead and tell him. All right, God. I know what your word says. Nothing more than I can handle. But a little reprieve would be good right now. Amen. I felt the word of the Lord come to me for you. And you've been in some very turbulent waters. And what has been happening is the enemy has been trying to uproot you. But God says that, that he's planted you. And there is no storm. There is no force that's going to uproot you. He said that you're going to be like Joseph. And what you don't see is that Joseph was a bow that reached over the wall. 
It's not just a confined arena, but sometimes there's a reaching over the wall. And the reaching over the wall, you know, is that time and how God goes ahead and supplies and has greater things in store than just the personal welfare. Remember Joseph? You know, what he had to go through and where he had to go. You know, challenging. But oh man, hallelujah. Once he rose from that turbulent into the prime minister. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You're more of a man of God than you think you are, my good friend. Amen. I'm not flattering you. God is saying. You know what I mean? You do hear from God. God's voice does come to you, and direction does come into your heart. And like all of us, we question and doubt, and we're not sure. Amen. But he wants to encourage you today. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. There's not a sparrow that falls to the ground that he doesn't at least come along and give it a burial. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise God. He's so anyway. uh, Jesus bless you. Amen. And go ahead and get your soul restored by the application, you know, of separated from the world, saturated with the word of God, and situated by the waters. Amen. God bless you today in Jesus' name.